it's delightful to see all of you. I have um, a recommendation as I'm preparing to invite the bell for our sitting for the next few minutes. Uh, you might consider this possibility. It's, it's not required, of course, but maybe there's someone that you can see uh, on your screen, um, someone you might know, but maybe someone you don't. But for some reason, um, on uh, whichever, there's three pages in my, on my computer now, but I don't know, but maybe there's someone that you see or maybe a name that uh, doesn't have a picture with it, but that you're, <clears throat> you're intrigued by for some reason. You don't have to understand why. And as we sit, uh, imagine that you're sitting uh, in support of that person, that you're offering your practice for the next few minutes uh, in support of that person. So they might, um, they might know who they are, understand their, their beauty and their wholeness, their fullness, that sort of uh, goodness that we offer as we sit together in loving presence and offer loving kindness and the compassionate orientation of practicing and awakening together. So. Um, there's certainly a whole number of people, but imagine what it's like to choose someone that is the is going to be the recipient of your practice efforts today for these next few minutes. Okay.
if you're sitting peacefully with eyes closed, that's, that's just fine. I uh, would invite you, if you are practicing and offering the merit of your practice to someone on the screen, which you've selected, you might just check now and then, uh, opening your eyes just to take them in and you can close your eyes again, but so that you keep them in your heart as you extend your heart. But there is something else you might uh, consider. It's very likely among the 65 odd people on the screen now that one of those people might have chosen you and is practicing on your behalf. It's quite possible in this unbound offering and receiving of spiritual and emotional nourishment.
having initiated this kind of uh, loving kindness and compassion practice, um, let, let's continue with a, a practice rather than our ordinary chant. But we will be chanting together. Some of you have done this, and we've done it online. It's typically done maybe in a circle or together. <clears throat> so I'll I'll say each phrase and do the gesture, and then I'll watch you to see that you have done it in response before we go to the next one, okay? So let's start here. Each phrase, you just repeat it back, and I'll go to the next one. I won't hear you, but I can see you. May this body be at ease. May this heart be open. May this mind be boundless. May this being awaken. And now offering to your friend that you thought of, or the whole group, yeah, either way, we're just offering. May your body be at ease. May your heart be open. May your mind be boundless. May you awaken. And now imagine that we're holding hands. <laughs> right up to the edge of your screen, you know, there's someone right there next to you. <laughs> We're holding hands. <clears throat> May our bodies be at ease. May our hearts be open. May our minds be boundless. May we awaken together. And we offered it to our friends. Now let's offer it to all beings everywhere. May all bodies be at ease. May all hearts be open. May all minds be boundless. May all beings awaken together. Thank you so much. It's um, you know I can I can feel how much I wish I could hear all of your voices. Of course, when we share uh, those aspirations, and also um, what it's like to to feel you close. Um, but it's it's pretty good to feel each other and to see each other and to practice for the benefit of each other. You know, the efforts that we make <clears throat> in our practice, um, over time, uh, uh, reveals, I think, some unknown or uh, maybe unexperienced potentials in us that we're maybe surprised about. And even expands or opens our capacities, which we may have some aspiration about, but haven't embodied. And these, these practices assist us in that. And as we practice, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have this sense of, well, maybe I'm, maybe I'm moving along a little bit. Maybe there's, uh, I'm certainly being um, nourished by my practice or something's opening or making uh, a possibility is revealing itself that I hadn't fully understood before. 
And you can feel some fulfillment, even some excitement or some, some ease. However, as time goes by, if you um, have, haven't noticed, sometimes the initial enthusiasm about practice tends to kind of wane, especially when we're faced with setbacks and disappointments, um, conflicts, deadlocks, uh, COVID, Zoom, <laughs> you know, all the various things that we could all name. And at that point, only our vows can sustain us over the long haul. So that we're not simply guided by a set of goals which we hope to accomplish, which we have, and if they're wholesome, not a problem. But our vows can help us continue when it seems uh, like things aren't what we thought they were. Um, so I want to I want to reflect on two. Um, parables from the Lotus Sutra. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with them. There's, I think, seven uh, classic parables from the Lotus Sutra. And um, <clears throat> I, I like these because the little teaching stories are, are, are lovely. They're not uh, unusual. Some of you probably heard them before. I'm reminded of when I was in church in Sunday school as a little kid and in various parables, and I was always fascinated by the stories. This was way before um, a Netflix series on TV, you know. But it was like, I wonder what's going to happen. It was uh, these stories that were unfolding. And the, <clears throat> the two parables that I want to speak about today are particularly relevant about this journey that we're sharing, that the whole reason we're here. And they're powerfully relevant right now, I think, um, just as they were in the time of the Buddha when they were taught. The first one I want to speak about is usually uh, called something like the parable of the phantom city. And the second one is the parable of the hidden jewel. And each reveals some aspect of our unknown or unrealized potential and something about our limits in practice. And so these are the things I want you to begin to think about in your own practice. The first, uh, the parable of the, the Phantom City. So as this story begins to unfold, there's a group of travelers who have set out on a journey to a place uh, that is said to contain rare treasures, a, um, a wonderful, wonderful place where they want to go. It reminds me of the way people are flooding back into travel these days, uh, hoping to break free of whatever limits they've had during COVID to see someplace beautiful again, to at least feel the freedom of movement. But in order to reach this special place, this group is going to have to navigate um, a long and challenging territory. And the group is guided by uh, experienced leaders who are well acquainted with the terrain. They, they know the way. And they also understand what it takes to make the journey. But inevitably, as they go along, the, the group becomes uh, exhausted and fearful. And uh, they want to turn back. Some, some of the people say, I don't think I can do this. But the leader is concerned that all their effort to this part would be in vain. Uh, use their special powers. Remember, this is a, 
Mahayana Sutra, so they're fantastical things that can happen. The leaders use their special powers to conjure up a magnificent city like a mirage on the horizon. And they say to the travelers, uh, let's not turn back. We're, we're really close. You can see it. And once we're there, you can stop and you can rest. And it's a place of real, real ease and true peace. So the travelers muster their energy and continue on. And soon they enter this uh, beautiful, magnificent city. And they're nourished and um, rested. And once they're no longer fearful and they've calmed down, the leaders come to them and begin to reveal the truth. They say, you know, this is actually not the real destination. This is a phantom city conjured up so you could rest and kind of rekindle your resolve. And as wonderful as it seems, it's not actually the real destination. The place where the treasure is, is further. And this great city was a, a phantom that was conjured so you could rest and so you wouldn't be discouraged. It's important not to get discouraged. And it said that this parable was offered to awaken in the Buddha's disciples this sense that how easy it is to become satisfied with their own personal achievements and have arranging things like they want it, sort of a manager aspect of practice, um, a little bit of the self-centered dream that goes along with actual practicing. Uh, what did Trungpa call it? Uh, spiritual materialism. And then in doing so, they may never leave the phantom city of individual achievement. I can rest in this, its comfort, but it has some illusory boundaries, which you don't recognize in that comfort, limiting what's actually, actually possible if you continued following your vow. So in the parable, the, the travelers had the opportunity to recall their original aspiration for their destination why they were traveling together and how important it's been to assist each other as they make their way along this road. And this wholesome aspiration, both to break free of the boundaries that you feel in your everyday life, to reach a place of great treasure, to assist each other and accompany each other. This aspiration is inherent in everyone, I, I think. It's my experience. It's part of our nature, our true nature. Sometimes it manifests as bodhicitta. There are various ways it's talked about. But I think it's this deep well of goodness that wants to find a way to express itself and to manifest itself in the world. And sometimes it's called forward in us during times of great challenge. We think, gosh, I, I can't go on like the travelers that I can't do this. Um, and someone has to encourage them and offer them a way, saying it's possible. And sometimes it's in great inspiration. You see the Phantom City and you think, ah, there's something wonderful. Maybe there's a moment where you see someone who's quite awake and manifesting their life in a way that you would hope to. So the various things that, that call us forward in this uneven practice path that we share, that we were just in invoking with each other.
Do you notice where you get caught in discouragement or despair? Or do you also maybe notice how you get caught in a false sense of comfort or pleasure or having arrived? Or maybe both. I think my, my experience has been that when I operate from some curative fantasy that I hold, even if it's unconscious, seeking some personal relief, which is not bad, I like personal relief, <laughs> but there's a, a, another destination that's further, and that's a shared release within our intertwined, tender, and resilient lives that we share. So this parable probably is uh, resonating somewhere inside of you. Let's, let's put it next to the parable of the hidden jewel. In this one, there's um, a poor uh, man in the original, of course, it was a male, but we'll, we'll use that for now. There's a poor person who meets an old childhood friend and the old childhood friend that he meets has done quite well and is actually wealthy and successful. And so the, uh, this successful man um, provides a banquet for his, his old friend who's struggled in life and they have great wine and a bountiful dinner and the, uh, the, the poor fellow is becomes intoxicated and he has this great meal and so he ends up falling asleep and the host takes care of him and provides a place for him to, to rest after this lovely banquet they've had together. And the next morning, the wealthy host has to get up um, and go on Zoom. Well, you know, he has to go on business somewhere <laughs> in the old days um, because he's a busy guy. But before leaving out of abundant uh, care, and compassion for his friend, he sews a priceless jewel into the lining of his friend's robe while he's sleeping. And when the, the poor man awakens, his host is gone, and, um, and he has no idea that he's been given this jewel. And so he sets out on his journey, returning to his former life, and as always, finds himself uh, and the daily struggles for food and clothing and survival. And he engages his labors with great energy and resolve, encountering uh, the everyday challenges and hardships and, and lovely things that come along. But he's often in a state of lack. Uh, but he, he manages with what he has. And later on, at some point in this parable, the two meet up again. And this sort of wealthy guy is shocked that this, his friend is in poverty, that he endures in this way because he, he's given him this jewel. So he comes to the man and he reveals the jewel that's been sewn into his robe. And this man realizes for the first time that he has possessed this priceless jewel all along and is overjoyed. And his whole life changes with that realization and with that discovery offered by another out of compassion and care. So just as this man was ignorant 
of the treasure he possessed. How many of us are unaware that the Buddha has sown this jewel of unsurpassed both aspiration and fullness of our path towards awakening and the freedom that's already existing in all of us, and yet we're we find ourselves sometimes satisfied with only partial a sense of, of presence and a smaller portion of what in the old teachings might be called nirvana. We're happy in our phantom city. We each have a jewel or treasure, but we don't always know it. When you were sitting practicing for your friend, maybe someone you know or someone you don't know, I would imagine there's some part of you that can imagine the jewel in them. But we so often believe our narratives about ourselves and the stories others have constructed about us and reflect back to us. And we live in that illusory world. And sometimes we're unable or sometimes a little frightened or unwilling to see the truth of who we actually are, to see that reflection. And we can very easily get caught up in a, the identity of our suffering body and our troubled mind and our burdened heart, those things we were just offering for each other. <clears throat> and mesmerized by all of this, we're oddly immune. It's so interesting to see this culturally right now. We can be even internally oddly immune or resistant to new information and experiences. And we're shown what's true because it doesn't fit what we believe. And so we end up, if you excuse my saying it, we end up believing fake news, you know, the, the part of our inner world or the reflections of people around us that don't see us clearly, no matter what correctives or, uh, you know, relieving perspectives we're presented with. And we persist in our beliefs and images of ourselves so often. You, know, you hear in practice uh, an admonition which seems a little crazy when you first hear it, where a teacher will say, don't believe anything you think. It doesn't mean to be ignorant and not understand the good mind that you have, but what we believe is so powerful in creating what we think and see and believe is possible. And our beliefs are always partial, always limited. So to open to what Suzuki Roshi called beginner's mind, or don't know mind, or this vast open mind, begins to offer us something beyond the phantom city. It reveals the jewel that's sown in our room. And we have parts that even, parts of us that kind of, you know, the, a word that's used a lot these days, we kind of gaslight other parts. We trick, not because we're mean or destructive, because we're frightened. And these parts are trying to protect us, to prevent us from becoming ourselves, if somehow that's a risky thing, to realize the jewel of our existence as we reach our destination. When we don't know about this jewel and we're not able to use it and let it shine in the world, um, 
And that's a, it's a bit sad, you know. It's, it seems difficult for us to sometimes realize the truth of our, our jewel-like nature, our beauty, unless we not only find it, but express it. That's why it's useful to sit in support of others, because sometimes we do that, something comes forward that we won't notice just reflecting on ourselves. When we bring it out in the light, where it can be illuminated, you notice that sometimes, um, there was a woman recently, we were in, in a restaurant, and there were different kinds of beautiful lighting in the restaurant, but she had a, a gorgeous diamond ring, and when she put it under a certain light, it was like illuminated, and we were, were speaking, I said, oh, it's, it's so beautiful because she brought it into the light where it could be illuminated, but that's how you look to me when you step forward and we meet. And when you step forward and someone asks you about the Dharma or ask about your practice and you have to explain something, you have to say something or show them something, it's as if you're taking out the jewel and saying, well, this is, this is what I have for now. But it can't help us. And it doesn't help anyone else unless we realize it and express it. But remember, no one can take it away from you. No one can actually take it away from you. And bringing out this jewel and offering it encourages others to do the same thing. But how we find it in our sleeve, wherever it is, it's a little tricky. It's not out there somewhere. It's up your sleeve. <laughs> it's already there. And we seek it in this phantom city. I think if we just get everything right, if we just have the right practice, the right teacher, the right zindo, the right book, the right friend, the right lover, the right job, whatever it is, then it will be manifest, all the while carrying it around with us. And this transformation isn't about rich or poor, like in, in the parable. It's about great, boundless love. That's what's illuminated, and that's what provides the light. And we're given this in each moment. And we have a chance in each moment to express it and give it back. We're always home. We're always in the real city, the real destination, not the phantom city, if we realize it and continue to practice to sustain our realization. The jewel of our true nature is with us forever. Do you realize it? What's in the way? So these are the questions I'd like for you to ask yourself. And then let me, let me know if there are barriers or places that um, we can support you and encourage you. If you bring the jewel forward, we'll also bring it. And together, it will, that's what lights up the world. And that's our aspiration. Uh, in our, our Bodhisattva vows, which uh, light the way beyond the Phantom City to our real destination of coming home. So if the, the, um, the jewel is now in your, your sleeve, you raise your hand to come forward. 
Um, that's the first step in, in revealing it and realizing it. And as I often do, I want to um, uh, call on somebody. Of course, as soon as I say that, everyone contracts like, oh, I hope it's not me. <laughs> and uh, I see Nelda's hand hang out there. Nelda, just for a second, if you would. Uh, and Marianne, would you hold up your hand, Marianne Gross, so that Maria can find you? There she is. Now we're going to unmute you here. There, good. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Uh, I was, of course, seeing your image along with everybody else, and I could see something on your face or something, and I just wanted to check with you. How oh, are you today? Thank you. Thank you. I've, I've been thinking about bees a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. She, she has bees and we have wonderful honey from her we've gotten. But so much of, of what I'm learning now or living with now is learning how the things I thought before maybe weren't helpful and weren't um, sustainable for the group. And I'm learning this real time with the bees. They're your teachers, huh? They are. They are. And I've learned a lot in the first few years. I've helped them. I've kept them. But what I realized, I kept them um, sort of um, um, captive. And they're not as, as able to be bees in the way that I've that done it. But, you know, it's only because that's the way I learned Gosh, this is like life, but it's like that's the way I learned from the first beekeepers that I worked with, and now I'm learning different. I'm more. I'm learning how to support the bees from the from the aspect of helping them live, and also giving something back to me. So that's what I'm thinking about. As I'm listening to you, I was thinking of. Your bee my bees and in my life and how yeah. so much of you know what I had thought was important or was a big deal in in retrospect when viewed from a different perspective and a larger uh, aspect of kindness and love yeah. is really just a a, a learning you yeah. know not just a learning but a big learning and I'm really learning how to be grateful for that so well thank I, you I'll, I could see something and I <laughs> it's a beautiful description of the everyday of waking up in the phantom city and going oh this actually isn't it yes yes I thought it was and it's useful to have gotten here mm -hmm. but there's more ahead there's more ahead it also reminded me of when I was running a lot and there would be um people on the on the road when there was a race that was say just one more hill you know and I thought okay and then <laughs> that's the the uh encouragement coming along even though there was a lot more than one more hill it was to help one keep going and and I appreciate it thank you so much for everything you're so dear 
Thank well, thanks you. for willing your willingness to come forward. <laughs> I've never done this before. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's part of why I ask, because I want to encourage people that might not otherwise uh, think about this. And and I we don't need to go uh, further, but I'm also assuming that things changed. Um, not everyone knows that you lost your husband, and we don't have to go into all that. But with that loss, that shifts your whole life too. Oh yeah. And the amazing thing is it's how much things, yeah, I was prepared for everything to really be bad, everything, you know, uh, and it's turning out okay. I mean, it, it's like <laughs> yeah. grace. It's, it's grace, and I'm so grateful. And I feel him with me every day in, in everything that I do, really. Yeah. He looks a lot like a hive of bees now. He does. <laughs> Thanks, Maria. Thank you. Do we lose Nelda? Is she still there? Uh, I see that Maria has her hand up. It's just telling me to unmute myself, but obviously you can hear me. So that's that's why. Oh, my heart's going a bit. Oh, <laughs> give myself a minute. Uh, yeah, um, I was just thinking that, you know, I've spent most of my life, you're on about jewels, that we've got jewels inside of us. Oh dear me, I do apologize. Everything's happening. <laughs> we have all these jewels inside of us. And, you know, I know I've spent most of my life with them unopened. You know, I haven't opened them. And, and it's like, I've begun to, the practice has helped me to begin to kind of have a bigger container so that they can open or be seen a little bit more. But there's always this feeling it's like I've come forward now or I do the after inquiry or whatever it is I'm doing. There's always this part of me that you mentioned gaslighting. It's kind of like almost tries to convince me that I'm a fraud and that I'm going to get found out. And so I've always got this kind of anxiety, this fear in, oh, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. Oh, sorry. In everything that I do, it, it could, but I think with the practice, well, it's helping me to still come forward. And That's I can the feel the jewel part, but I can also feel what you, I don't know if you call it a shadow or mm -hmm. the part that always feels very powerfully like a fraud. And that is, threatens the whole system, mm -hmm. the whole being of, of the jewels, mm -hmm. you know, to keep them wrapped up, you know, keep back, don't be seen. But the um, It's interesting how this community needed you to assist and you stepped in despite all those messages mm. and now we see the jewel and we reflect you back to you sure you have those messages back there mm. all that old stuff doesn't disappear mm. but it's not what organizes you so much that you can't continue to go forward because you are called forward more deeply by your vow than you are by the old stuff and, and so it's, it's the vows isn't it yeah and it benefits all of us it certainly benefits you too the more it benefits us we reflect back our care that nourishes you which allows you to continue to come forward and so that's how that loving kindness continues and compassion supports and encourages us all and i think without the practice i don't know how i'd have that container to see it all Right, you had. Well, I don't uh, see it all, but you know what I do. I see more. <laughs> you've done a lot over the years in your therapy and the Hakomi and all those things, but there's something about your 
like I said, if you realize that you will take it out and use it, that makes a big difference. And that's what you've done in this last year. And it's tiring though, isn't it? Because you still have those parts and 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 I think it, they, they can be tiring still, you know, to, to have them. But it's kind of being with them in that loving presence, being with them in that compassion and sitting, sitting with them just to see them playing and what they're doing, you know, and what they're getting up to. Because Otherwise, I think I would have stayed hidden. Well, Without the practice, I would have stayed hidden. If we sit and face the wall like we might in a Zendo, right now the wall looks like a computer screen. And all those little squares that we see, that's all the parts of us. Mm. And we sit with them with the same love and care that we would with all those people that we see. So please okay. continue, okay? It, well, it is. It's the staying, isn't it? It's the staying that opens more up. Mm -hmm. it's just in the disturbance, in the difficulty, in the anxiety or the fear or the fraudness, it's staying. Just yep. stay. Just just keep sitting. Just keep staying. And That's then it. it it breathes. That's your experience. You can yeah. have it, but I have it all still, but it breathes. There's oxygen around it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Melda's returned. Yay. <laughs> she has. Oh, where's she gone? I'll find her again. I think her hand must keep coming down, but I can get you. <laughs> there, there she is. I keep putting my hand down because I don't want it to be distracting. Oh, you're not distracted. I, the thing about it is when you have your hand up, it puts you in the first of the line up on top so we don't lose you. All right. It's good to see you, Flint. It's great to see you. Um, so both stories, uh, lovely. Thank you. Um, and I will just kind of do four PowerPoints. The first story <laughs> reminded me of my, my own, um, journey starting with this practice. And we all come to this practice for different reasons, right? Um, I came to this practice much like I went to therapy, and said to my therapist, do you have a year to fix me completely? Mm -hmm. And not done after a year, you're not that good. I essentially said that in slightly nicer words. Mm -hmm. And after a year, I was quite disappointed that I wasn't perfect um, and frustrated and just put out that there were so many more layers to deal with. Yeah. And so I agreed Another to their destination further. That was right, the Phantom City. Right? That was the Phantom City. And it, I wasn't happy with the Phantom City, unlike the group in the parable, right? But as I stayed with therapy, I discovered there are innumerable layers. And I began to get more and more excited and curious about each one. And finally got to the point of, oh, I can't wait to see the infinite layers. Well, that's sort of how it's been with this practice. Mm -hmm. I came to this practice to get fixed and become perfect, right? Um, and no, not there. Never will be. Now that curative uh, fantasy comes up again. Right. But how lovely that I get more and more excited with each layer that comes up, with each new thing that but I see. Fortunately, you've uh, failed. And I, what I say by that is, fortunately, we meet our edge and realize, oh, it doesn't go that way. Right. So that we have, have been, we provide the opportunity for more. 
Right. And so with regard to this, to the second um, <clears throat> story you told us, um, you know, as you were telling it, I'm like, did those sweet folks not realize that where they are is the perfect city, is the destination? And I, I think that happens in my practice so often that I, I, I think it's out there or I think it's outside of, of me. Um, but the jewel of a place is right now in this moment. And the jewel is inside me. And like Maria said, gosh, it gets so hidden sometimes. Or, or, or the jewel of life is all of it. Not just the Disneyland parts I'd rather have, right? But all of it, all of the ooh, challenging edges that just that, this is it. Just this, and to be able to honestly say when I'm having what I consider consider really tough day, like you are welcome here too, to finally get to that point. So, PowerPoint number three is I think I'm after all these several years finally ready to grow up and wake up and I'm delighted by that. I thought I was grown up and awake, but I I now realize I'm just now getting there and I'm ever so grateful. And PowerPoint number four, part of what tells me that is now every night I I go to sleep with one of your inquiry talks playing mm. because I talk you to sleep. well, and you talk to me in my sleep because my hope is that I'm able to um, absorb more and more and walk this path, which isn't just for me. It isn't even about me. Mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of our practice. It has nothing to do with me. It, it has to do with this all of this so yeah. thank you yeah, thank I love you your, in, in powerpoint number three when you talked about oh now maybe i'm finally ready to step forward a little more and that shift will continue to happen yay because another way along the way you'll go oh and i thought that was and it will continue not because anything is false Dogen said, we see only as far as our eye of practice can reach. And so as we continue to practice, we stay, like Maria said, then we, we see a little further and a little further and a little further. And each time it's like, oh, I thought that was it. Oh, there's, I can go further. Because our practice can't be worn out. Yeah. Can, not because you keep failing. It just keeps unfolding. And that's the grace and gift that Marianne is talking about. And isn't it lovely that the city of our destination, the jewel in our sleeve, has always been right here. And, and it, that's the paradox. That's the touch point of all of Zen practice. It's always right here. We're never apart from it. And there's always more. It's a paradox of both things. The relative and the absolute, the imminent and the transcendent. It's always, we're kind of understanding that when Suzuki Roshi said to his students, you're perfect just like you are. And you could use a little improvement. <laughs> He's speaking about these two sides and that's why we have these two. So I bow to you and thank you for your, yeah.
Well, we have Trudy. the UK. <laughs> Got Austin, UK. Austin, UK. Getting unmuted somehow? Yeah. Uh, Says you're muted, but you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Story in <of> my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and that's so kind of uh, muted, unmuted is such a interesting. We can go down that road. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've got that. Oh God, don't start me there. Um, what what I was thinking about was um, I've been reading something about the red thread and um, in response to something that I was going to talk with someone about and um, as we were as you were talking about the jewel, <laughs> sorry, you know my mind. It's like crazy. So I, I kind of had this image of um, the jewel isn't in my sleeve; it's in my womb. And the red thread is, <laughs> sorry, everybody oh. out there, it's kind of a bit like, like a tampon. It's kind of like, it is the thing that's kind of in there. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of obviously pursuing my Sheila Nagig stuff as well. But it's in the essence of you as a woman. It's exactly. It's and fundamental. The, 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 the red thread and the jewel is connected to something that I've, you know, from my own history has felt damaged and abused. And, and it's like, ah, oh, the Dharma gate is actually through the shame and the, the brokenness and the not rightness and the failing, um, you know, and it was, it was such a sort of, um, it was like, I could feel it like the red thread, it doesn't stop in my womb. It's kind of like, it's but it connects you with thing. everyone and everything with everyone and everything and all of my life. Um, and there was something really um, joyous, joyous about that, but that kind of sense of like, actually, I've kind of got to um, claim shame as a Dharma gate. That's a very big step, Trudy. Yeah. That's that's fundamental. And every person listening could imagine what would that be to claim shame as a Dharma gate. Yeah. And how would one use that as a transformational? What what moves in you now as you say it? Um It's not joy. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was about 30 seconds ago. <laughs> but kind of right now, it's more like, um, oh, term. fucking hell, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's like shit. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. But, but it not being true is worse. Yeah. That's the real fucking hell, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something about that, um, the dearness of shame as a Dharma gate. Well, you know, being a mother and a grandmother. <laughs> and a great grandmother. 
and a therapist and all these and a, and a wife and a mother and a person and a friend you meet shame all the time yeah and i have seen you and being with you enough to know how you meet it and it and because i care about you it's lovely to see that you could turn that same amazing woman's heart towards your own mm. so i'm i'm sitting and i'm holding my my belly and my uterus and i'm kind of just thinking oh lamb you know so long yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you have mother Molokai shells around your wrist <laughs> as you do so. Mm. It's, if you don't mind my <clears throat> saying, I'm just going to, I had, at the end of my, I don't know if you do this, but if you pick, make some notes about what you're going to talk about, sometimes there's little things at the end just that you didn't use, but they were, yeah. and I had pulled up, um, a, a colon, case 86 from the Blue Cliff record, which is Yunmen, we know. And um, he said, all of you, right where you are, each one of you has a beam of light shining continuously. Now, um, it is removed from seeing and knowing. Though it's a light when you ask about it, you don't understand. It seems dark and dim. What is everybody's light, he said. And he answered himself. You know how they do sometimes? He said, the kitchen pantry and the main gate. And in this case, your own womb. And he said, you know, a good thing isn't as good as nothing. Oh. There's this light and you can feel it like the jewel. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that all of you will take these stories, um, the ones that I mentioned from the Lotus Sutra, but also the stories you heard today and your own stories. And be kind to them and know them as Dharma gates. And whether you feel them held deep in your belly or in your heart or in your hands or feet as you meet the world, it, it can rest many, many places. But it's your aliveness, finding finding a way. And our practice is about f remembering our wholeness and finding a way for that life to move through us in the way that it wants to. And it moves most easily. Here we are together now. If we're not, here we go. Ready? If we're not caught in the self-centered dream, this is only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, even shame, 
being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream, each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much. Continue to practice with each other and for yourselves. You're all jewels. <clears throat>Thank you so much, Flint. And thank you all so much for, for being here today and um, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, wherever you are in the world. We're so, so far and wide. And, um, and Appamada and its programs and facilities are supported through all your generosity and offerings. And if you'd like to make a contribution, please do go to the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute and there you'll see an opportunity to make donations to people teachers such as Flint and other teachers as well as other opportunities please just write in who you'd like the donation to go to thank you all so much and if you'd like to continue to meet and share then please do stay right where you are on the virtual porch and just pop yourself into gallery view and we'll continue for a further 30 minutes thank you